of God is such a powerful thing for us to do. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, don't like let that and just be like, oh, that was a nice moment. I'm going to put that down and just forget about it. But actually like put in some work this week and go, actually, maybe you might be like, I'm the person in Thrive Church with the most intimate relationship with God. I want to encourage you just this week, be like, how could I take it deeper? How can I, how can I go deeper with God? Um, how can I build my relationship deeper? I was talking uh, with a pastor uh, yesterday and he was basically like, we just decided for the season in our church, we're just going to only focus on one thing. How can we make people hear God's voice better? Like if we can just help people to understand where God's leading them, that's like, that's all we're going to do for this next season. Um, and it was like a year or a couple of years and that, that's all they're focusing on. Um, and so your relationship with God is so important. Um, we have, my name's Mitch, by the way. I realized I just launched straight into that. Um, it's great to have you in church with us. Great to have everyone joining with us online. Um, I just wanted to quickly tell you before I, I preach this morning about um, these guys are playing jazz. I did a jazz degree and so they put jazz music on behind me. How nice is it? da do da do da I didn't sing. I didn't do it as a singer. Um, <laughs> um, I just want to tell you about expansion offering. We took it up a couple of weeks ago, um, and I told, I said I'd get the exact numbers off Janet um, before the service, and then I got busy and I didn't. So, um, like, just take everything I say with a grain of salt today. Okay. So as it stands at the moment, I think we've got $36,500 in the bank, which is incredible, um, which means that all of our missional goals, all of the things that we want to do in the community with 24-7, all of that stuff we're able to do, which is incredible. And I just want to thank you for that. Um, and uh, I need to confirm, and there may be more, but I think there's about another $13,000 worth of um, pledges that are, have come in as well. Um, and I just want to encourage you, if you've, if you've missed out, you haven't been involved, you, there's still time. Uh, you can grab an expansion offering brochure um, from the info desk. There are pledge forms as well. It's got all the information. Um, and I just want to encourage you, like, let's, let, let's do this. How amazing would it be if we took it from that and we had all the money by the time Glenn and Deb came back from sabbatical? We'd be like, come on. Um, and so just want to let you know, like, like, um, like, you know, if there's anyone with a secret million dollars just sitting around, you know, like, like just, you know, we, we can hold on to that for you. It'll be a great investment into the kingdom. Well, we are going to um, get into the word in just a, in just a moment. But why one, don't one, one you grab the hand of the person next to you and we're going to pray together as we get ready to do that. We're just going to pray. This is another opportunity for you to practice your awkward Kiwi intimacy. Now, if you are single and you're sitting next to someone who's also single and you'd like to date them, this is an opportunity. If you want to, just while we're praying, just squeeze their hand. And just, if they squeeze back, then awesome. They want to, that, that it's reciprocal. But if they don't, just move. Just move quickly before it gets weird. But let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are here in the room today. God, we thank you that you, you love every single person. And, and we pray as we, uh, oh, that's awkward for Aiden. Um, <laughs> it was trying to get past, but people are holding hands. But God, we pray uh, that, as, um, that as I share today, God, you would speak to us. That, God, you would speak to us. We came to hear your voice today. We came to worship you and to hear your voice. And, and I just pray that we would, that as, as it says um, in Scripture, God, that um, we, you are the shepherd and the sheep hear your voice. We hear your voice today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, 
Um, I have a message. We're in, our, we're in a series at the moment called The Gospel of Salvation, um, and it's quite a self-explanatory series, really. We're just focusing on salvation for, the next, for this month. And, and the reason is for two reasons. One is that um, the Bible uh, lays out this idea that if we talk about what God's done, it sets a, a platform for Him to do it again. It says it like this in Revelation, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we talk about what Jesus has done in our lives, it, it, is a, uh, it, it's, it, it prophesies God is going to do it again. And so we're talking about salvation for two reasons. One, because we, we want God to do it. We want God to move. If um, Also, intermediates, you can head out if, um, if that's happening. Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but we, wanna, we want God to, you know, for people to get saved in church. But the other reason is we want people... Um, to be activated in going, actually, I could be someone who could share my testimony. I could be someone who shares the gospel with people, who tells people about Jesus' love. Um, and so I'm going to do a little bit of that today. I'm going to share some of um, my story of how I came to know Jesus. Um, but first, I want to read from Scripture. And I, I've got almost a whole chapter to read from the book of Matthew. So I'm going to sit down to do it, because otherwise I probably will, um, will, will mess some of it up. So um, if you've got your Bible, uh, and one, you open it up, where I'm reading from the NIV, if you're on a phone and you want to um, follow along, there will be it on the screen as well, but um, it's probably going to be better this way. Um, this is pretty awesome. I, um, I kind of prepped this word well out for a run. Um, I was out running. I, I've lost my earpods, so I had to just listen to God. Um, <laughs> and as I was running, God just spoke to me out of a few parables, and, and I was like, okay, awesome, and gave me a word for this morning, and I think it'll really bless your life. It has blessed mine, and, um, and I was like, okay, I don't really know how I'm going to weave that all together, and then I went and looked in the Bible, and they were all basically just one, two, three, four, back to back. And I was like, well, that was awesome, God. I didn't know that. Um, and so God, I really feel like God was setting us up. So we're reading Matthew chapter 13. I'm reading from the NIV. Um, are you ready? Yeah. Let's go. Okay. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people um, stood on the shore. I think that's awesome. Jesus is like, there's too many people here. I'm getting a boat to preach from. Like, I'm like, man, that makes a stage look really lame. It might actually be the first time that someone preaches from a stage is Jesus preaching from a boat. Who knows? I was just thinking that. Uh, then he told them many things and parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he, uh, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much, um, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the, plant, uh, choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him, to him and asked, why do you speak in par to people in parables? If you've always wondered, why does Jesus just basically tell par like made-up stories like this is it, he tells you. Um, it's, he says this, he replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. It's a bit brutal. It gets worse. Those who have will be given more and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not, 
have, even they will, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Father, we just pray today that we would be people that understand your word, that as we read the scriptures, God, we pray that we'd be people who, who, who don't just read it and, and go, oh, well, that was a random story. I don't get that. But God, we would be people who understand what you're saying. Um, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For the people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Let's not be like those people who have become hard in heart, who close their eyes, who don't hear. Um, otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts in turn, and I would heal them. You know, there's there, like if you if you take... Like, this book is powerful. Um, at, at Elevate, um, Pastor Anita White, who, her and Adam, Adam White lead um, New Life Churches. She just talked about um, this renewing, this renewed love that she's had for the Word and um, how she's just basically turned all of her pastoral care conversations to, how's your Bible reading? Um, and the Western church is, the statistics are getting really bad about how much we read this book. Um, but it says here that if we, here, if we see with our eyes, hear with our ears, and understand with our hearts, we'll turn to Jesus, and he'll heal, he'll heal us. It's important that we are, like, reading this book. Um, in staff meeting this week, we just literally read a chapter of Leviticus, Leviticus 16 on the, on the atonement. And it was, it was such a fun time just reading through a chapter together, talking about it. Um, and so I want to encourage you, like, let's just be a church that reads the Bible, like, like um just like and if you if you need tips or like help doing that like let's talk about it don't be weird about like oh man i i suck at reading the bible like i wish i was better at it anyway but blessed verse 16 but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear truly i tell you many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it and hear what you hear but did not hear it i think it's a great thing to remember that we, we live in an age that the rest of, uh, like the, the people, you know, the great people of faith uh, throughout the is Israel's history, like longed for. They longed for the ability to just walk into the presence of God. They longed for the ability. What about like the, the church that's persecuted in um, other parts of the world? Man, they longed for the ability to just gather together and together and not have to do it in secret. And so let's not take what we have for granted. Like, I, like, you, sh like you should show up to church. I was talking with someone the other week and they said, oh, I haven't been to church for about a month. And I was like, why? Like, like, why wouldn't you go to church? I became a Christian. I went to church the next Sunday and I've been ever since. Like, why would you miss out on gathering together with believers? That was way more brutal than I had intended. <laughs> um, Listen, verse 18, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When people hear the message about the kingdom. So he's, he's telling us the seed, going back to the parable, the seed is the message of the kingdom. So, so the seed is the kingdom that's being sown. When people hear the message about the kingdom and do not understand it, the evil one comes away and snatches it, what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to people who hear the word at once and receive it with joy. But since they have no root, uh, 
they, they last only a short time. When trouble per, or persecution comes, um, because of the word, they quickly fall away. He's warning us. This is, this is a for you, this moment here. He's saying, hey, when God puts a word in your life, be careful not to let like trouble and persecution knock you off the word. Like there will be, and it actually says here, there will be persecution because of the word. When God places a word in your life, like be expectant, there might be some persecution. Uh, Jesus says, um, in this life, I can't remember the, the passage where he says it, but he says, in this life, you pray that you may have peace because you will have persecution. And so it's good to go, actually, I'm going to be strong and convicted on the word God's given me. Um, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to people who hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. Deceitfulness and worry can choke the word of God on your life, um, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to people who hear the word and understand it. They produce a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what has sown. That is the first parable done. We've got three more to go. Who's ready? All right. That was the long one. That's, that was about half the scripture. Okay. The parable of the weeds. So that was the parable of the sower, the parable of the weeds. Jesus told them another parable. The, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. So he's, he's referencing back to the good seed moment. So he said, what, what did he say in the story before? He said, good seed is the seed that's sown in good soil that produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times. So he's talking about that kind of seed being sown. So good seed has been sown in a field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds amongst the wheat and went away. What a stink guy. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you, know, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. So, he's talk, so he says, hey, let them grow together. And then at harvest time, this is the instruction, at harvest, uh, uh, I will send out the harvesters so take that. So at harvest time, I'll send out the harvesters to, um, and I'll tell them first, collect the weeds, tie them into bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them into the barn. That's the parable of the weeds. Next parable, the parable of the mustard seed. He told them yet another parable. It's, it's more seeds, guys. It's a theme today. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, that a man took and planted in his field. So we've got this same idea. He's, he's on the same topic. He's talking about planting seeds. Though the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, it, um, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds may perch in its branches. End of parable. He told them yet another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Change. We're not talking about seeds anymore, guys. We're talking about yeast. That a woman mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through the whole dough. Another translation talks about it causing the dough to rise. Um, we're going to stop there. So we've got these four parables. We've got the parable of the sower, which is about 
uh, sowing seed and what kind of seed. And I was thinking about um, the fact that it's a farmer sowing seed. And I just wanted to encourage you, you could be the best Christian. Like a farmer, a farmer sowing seed knows what they're doing. Mitch sh- sowing seed, I've got no idea. I'm just throw it out and like I'm probably the person getting it on the path and the birds eating it. But a farmer's like got a pretty good idea of what they're doing. And so like I felt like God was saying, it's okay for you to make a mistake when you're sowing seed in, in people's lives and if you get it in the wrong place. Like it's actually okay. Like a farmer knows what he's doing and still he's putting it in all the wrong places and he's just like gonna celebrate the stuff that, that got in the right place. Um, so we've got that parable and then we've got this parable of the weeds um, where he's, he's talking about what, how, how to clear the weeds away before bringing in the harvest. It's the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. Let's pray one more time. Uh, God, we thank you that you are here in the room, God. And I just pray that as I speak today, you'd, you'd open up this passage to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wanted to tell you a bit about my testimony in, in light of that. So when I was out for, for my run, I was just thinking about... Um, the moment that I kind of gave my life to Jesus. And as I was thinking about that, I realized that there were all these moments where people planted seed along the way. There were all these moments where people activated these, these four different areas where they, uh, the first one, there's people planting seed. The second one, there's people going in before the seed is harvested. They remove the things that would be dangerous. Like they kind of create like space. So I was thinking about that. It kind of is like, um, have you ever like counseled somebody that you're like, man, I really want this person to know Jesus. And so you've been trying to help them like get their life together. Cause you're like, if your life's together, you might like, you, you kind of will be in the right space. Has anyone kind of done that? You've walked alongside someone that's not a Christian, but you're like, man, this person needs Jesus. And I'm just going to like walk alongside them. And then we've got this parable of the, um, of the, the mustard seed. And, and what happens is this kind of seed is planted and then it grows this tree, and no one kind of knows where the seed came from, but there's now this tree that people are enjoying. There's birds perching in it. There's probably people, like, enjoying the shade. It's created this atmosphere. Um, and I think, that, you know, there's a lot of areas in, like, uh, many societies today that are, it was kind of like a seed was planted. We've got these Ten Commandments, which give us a good way of living and they give us rules and regulations, and it's kind of like a seed that's being planted. You know, like everybody agrees we shouldn't murder people. Like it's, it's kind of, it's, it's the seed that's being planted that we all get to live in now. And then the last one is the, the, the kind of the covert, um, you know, like secret mission yeast in the bread. It's probably my favorite of all the parables, the, the yeast getting kneaded into the dough and making the whole dough rise. And we love that. We love the like, the secret mission and and so I want to tell you about my testimony with these things in life. So I, um, when I was born, and this was kind of like one of those little things that I just thought about as I was prepping this yesterday. Uh, when I was born, so my parents grew up in different churches. Um, one, my mom grew up in a Catholic church and my dad in a, in a Presbyterian, and they kind of went to church with their families. And they, they just made a decision that we're not going to force our kids to believe anything. And I know lots of people probably think that they make that decision, but then they kind of like, um, you know, like a kind of, and it's usually people like outside of the church are like, we're not going to make our kids believe anything. But then like, they kind of preach like atheism to them the whole, you know, all of their childhood. But that really just wasn't a a thing. And so there was this real sense of like, you can go and believe whatever you want. 
Um, and uh, that was kind of like that tree that kind of created just like an atmosphere where I was able to. And then when I was born, and so it was kind of like the seed planted. And then when I was born, my auntie and uncle, they were pastors in Nelson, they picked me up. And they dedicated me to God. They just prayed and prayed for my salvation and then continued to pray for me. But they just said, you know what, God, we just bless um, Mitch. We just pray that he would know you, that he'd have a relationship with you. It was like the seed planted. Um, and then when I was um, growing up, just all throughout my childhood, I watched my, um, my nana and papa who faithfully served in church. They were a part of the Catholic church in, in this kind of area. And Papa used to do stuff in the um, Basilica in Christchurch. And I just watched them kind of love Jesus and love church and just be involved. And it was like, we went to church with them sometimes, but it was just this another seed planted. It was kind of like the covert mission. They were just kind of like good kind of like Christians. They weren't preaching anything, but they were just like, like yeast and dough. And then uh, I actually struggled as a kid. Um, and this is about the time that I wet the bed a lot, mum. Um, I used to struggle. I've never told anybody this. I used to struggle with the fear of death so much. And I prayed probably years on end every single night that I wouldn't die and that my family wouldn't die. I was probably praying more than most of you. Um, as Christians, like I was a non-Christian. And I just used to pray like, God, if you're real, like, would you keep me alive? Like, would you let me wake up tomorrow? I don't know what it was, but it was just kind of like the seed where I just, like, I didn't even believe in God, but I, I was just like, I was praying. I was going, God, I like, like, I've got a need that I'm asking you to meet. Um, and then I, I remember as a 12-year-old in Kaiapoi doing a paper round, I could take you to the street outside the hedge where this happened. I was delivering flyers for an iPod Touch. Um, for a, a, it was like for a thing for, to, to win an iPod Touch. And I was like, God, if you're real, let me win this competition and I'll come and I'll serve you all of my life. That's what I said. I remember laughing about that now because uh, like when I f remembered it, cause I'm like, Oh man, I never got the iPod touch and I'm serving God. He got what he wanted and I never got an iPod touch. It was like just this, it was another moment. It was just like another seed planted. And, and that one wasn't even like nobody was doing it. It was just kind of like this random prompting. I had a friend in year eight, his name was Daniel Overby. And Daniel and I played in a band together, and so we listened to music all the time. He was the drummer. I was the singer slash guitarist sometimes. And um, he one day was like, hey, Mitch, I got a CD. Would you like to listen to it? And I was like, yeah, sure. That'd be awesome. And so he burnt me a copy of the CD. Don't tell anybody. Um, he burnt me a copy of the CD, and we got into the car, and I said, hey, Mama, Daniel gave me this album. Can, can we listen to it? And we put it on, and the first track was doing it. One way, Jesus, you're the... And it was that Hillsong United album, and he'd, he'd copied it and was like, hey, I, I don't know what he was thinking, but it was just another seed. I listened to that album over and over again. Like, I loved it. I didn't, I didn't really get the songs. I just was like, it's weird that it's talking about Jesus, but I loved the music, and it was just like another seed planted. And then I had this friend in high school. I, I got, it was year nine, first day I get to high school, and there's this girl, Megan, in my class. And now so many of my friends know Jesus because of Megan. And Megan invited me week after week after week 
after weak rejection, after rejection, after you're stupid, Christianity sucks, I hate God, all of that stuff, like came up with reasons and arguments about why God couldn't exist and stuff. And all of this thing, and week after week, she was just like, Mitch, you should come to youth. Like, you'd love it. It'd be really awesome. Eventually, one week, I said yes. Like, this is like five or six months down the track. I eventually said yes. I don't know whether I was just in a good mood, whether she'd worn me down or what had happened. But I said yes. And I walked into this room. Um, uh, it was on a Friday night. There was a band playing and people were in worship. And just something inside of me said, whatever they have, I want. Like, it seemed so real and genuine. I think that thing that was in me as a kid that was like, man, I'm real terrified of death. And I've got this desire to know God, I, even though I didn't really think about it, was kind of like, yes, this is what I want. And I've talked about that part of the story often, and I joke about how bad the worship was that night. Um, but um, I remember that Sunday, weirdest thing, that Sunday we went to my auntie and uncle's church, the one that prayed for me at, when I was a baby. And we've never been since. Our whole family went, um, and, and we'd never been before. But we went that Sunday because the, they, um, their daughter was getting dedicated and in the church service, I remember them singing, Savior, he can move the mountains. Do you know that song? Do you want to sing it with me? My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Forever. Author of salvation. Oh, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. And as we sung that, I, just, I gave my life to God. I didn't pray a prayer. I, I didn't do any of that. If you don't know Jesus, I'll give you a prayer to pray a little bit later. But like, I just, I was like, I just, I want to know God. And that was kind of the theology I took as I was like, this is, God is mighty to save. He's going to save me. Like God's going to, I'm going to follow Jesus because he did all these things. And as we sung that song, and I remember after the service, uh, mum like mentioned that I'd been to youth and my auntie and uncle were like, oh, so like, like what happened? I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian now. I'm going to go to church on Sundays. And like I said, I started going to church and I've been ever since. Um, and so there were all these seeds that pl were planted up until the moment when Megan invited me. This is the word that God gave me the other day. Uh, so, Matthew chapter 13 is Jesus teaching and the disciples around. It's the, uh, and, and, and it's significant because it's the first big lot of teaching that he does um, after he sends them out. You, you know that part of the story where Jesus sends out the 12 and he sends them out in twos. And there's that famous verse where he's like, I go and I always stuff it up. So I'm going to go to it. It's in verse, uh, it's in chapter 10, where he says, uh, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse so if those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Like that's, so he does that. This is the first kind of big lot of teaching, the first lot of parables we see he does after that. But the verse before he sends them, this is what it says. Check this out as it comes up on the screen. Verses uh, Matthew 9, 35. It says this. Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed um, and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the work is a few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. This is what God said to me the other day. The church is really good at planting seeds. We're really good at the like planting seeds. We love to be the salt of the earth. They're like, I'm going to be, I'm going to just make everything taste better. We love the yeast parable. Even I love it. The like covert mission. We love the like, I'm going to plant seeds. I'm going to be like a kind neighbor. I'm going to show people love. And so the harvest is full because we've been planting a lot of seeds. We've been actually doing the groundwork. We've been doing the thing. We've been like going and counseling people and helping people to follow, you know, like a good life. We've been creating all this stuff. But he's like, the problem is the harvest is full, but the workers are still few. Like there's, there's, it actually takes a Megan to get someone who's had this whole life of seeds planted, this field of seeds planted. It takes a Megan to actually get them to become fruit. See, until fruit, someone becomes fruit, it's just like kind of pointless. It's like a nice looking field. And so we actually, I felt like God was pushing on us saying, hey, like it's awesome that you do the COVID stuff really well. It's amazing that you're planting seeds, that you're like scattering seed, that you're speaking, you're praying for your neighbors. That's awesome. But when are you going to get out in the harvest? So I knew that I was preaching this this week. God spoke to me about it. And I was like, okay, God, I, I want to practice it. I want to practice what I preach. So here's, here's what I tried. I've just this whole week, I've been praying saying, okay, God, Give me an opportunity to do this so I've got something I can share at the end of my message. No, give me an opportunity because I actually, I, I don't want to just get up here and preach a word and then go home and do my own thing. I actually, I, I want to, like, I want to do this as well. I'm talking to myself too. Um, I went to an op shop on Thursday, found a vintage pair of Reeboks. I was stoked about it, okay? Just like I was in a good mood, okay? And so I walked, as I walked out of this op shop, a lady uh, just, I just left and she said, oh, hi, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. I turned around and realized it was one of the uh, ladies that worked in the sop shop. And, um, and I said, oh, yeah, no, I've been quite busy and stuff. And, and I was like, how, anyway, like, how are you doing? And she goes, oh, not very good. I said, oh, what, what's, what's up? She said, I, I've been diagnosed with stage four terminal cancer. And I, I've got two years to live, and I'm, my, I'm in my second year. And I'm like planning my funeral, I'm doing all of this. And I just kind of felt God say, this is your opportunity, Mitch. And so I said, hey, I, I'm a Christian, I go to the church. We, we were kind of walk together, and so we we're kind of just about, you could kind of just see thrive. And I said, I go to the church just down there, and um, I've seen God heal cancer. Could I pray with you? Because um, I believe he, he could heal you. He, he could heal you. And she said, yeah, that'd be awesome. And I was like, well, <laughs> I was kind of expecting a no. Um, and so I was just like, hey, can, like, can we do it right now? And she was like, yeah, go for it. And so I grabbed her hand and I just prayed. I, I did it like Neville said last week. I didn't try too hard. I just said, God, I thank you for this person. And, and I just prayed. I said, God, we just pray right now. Um, that you would heal her cancer. We just we just rebuke the the um the the report off her life, and we just we just declare that she would have a life in Jesus' name. And that was it. I just I, I prayed with her then, and we talked a little bit more. And I just said, Hey, look, honestly, like if anything changes, you get a scan that says you got an extra year to live. Anything, come tell me. I, I my name's Mitch. I go to this church here. Like, I'd love to know. And, and I don't know what will happen. It wasn't like really, I didn't have the satisfying, like I prayed for her and she had a tumor and it fell off or anything like that. 
but I got out and I was trying to bring in the harvest. Like I got out and, and I was like, do you know what? Actually, I, I'm, I'm not going to be someone who just plants seeds. It's awesome to do that. It's awesome to do the covert. But the harvest is full and the work is a few. I wonder if you'd stand with me today. What we're going to do in a moment is we're going we're gonna to take communion. And um, Jesus teaches us to do this in remembrance of him. And when we take communion, what are, we, what are we remembering? We're remembering his death and resurrection on the cross. The fact that he paid the price for our sin, that he, he paid the price so that we could go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And what I'd love to do is as we take communion today, we're going to do it soon. As we take communion, I'd love um, you to go, actually, God, I'm, so, I, I, I'm remembering the moment that you saved me. I'm remembering the moment where you changed my life. And God, would you give me the boldness to not just keep it to myself? Would you let me be someone who, who takes the testimony of what Jesus did in my life and turns it into a prophecy, who actually shares what God has done? And, and I believe as we do this together, um, that people are going to get activated. I really, really don't want to preach a message that you hear and go, that was nice, and then you go home and you don't change. I've been imagining all week what it would look like if next Sunday everybody's prayed for someone during the week. We've seen cancer heal. People lifted out of wheelchairs. We've seen the heal the sick, cast out demons, stuff happening. I've been imagining it all week going, imagine how like blessed Glenn and Deb would be to come back and our church is like praying every week for people that we're seeing salvation happen on the street. Like I, I've been thinking about what we could steward and I think that would be a great thing. Imagine how, how, blessed that would, how blessed they would be coming back to our church doing that. And I could pray for as many people as I can, but it's not gonna change, it's not gonna change anything. Like, like I'm, I'm committed to this and I'm looking for people who are like, Do you know what, Mitch? I don't really feel it, but I'm in. I don't, really, I don't really feel it, but I'm in. And so if that's you today, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands in just a moment. I'm not going to tell people to close their eyes. I'm not going to do anything like that. But if you're like, do you know what? Actually, I don't want to get to the end of my life and when, the whole, when God asks me for an account of what I did with it to say, hey, I, I was great at covert mission. I I, I was great at mowing the neighbor's lawns. I was great at baking cookies when someone needed it. But I missed every opportunity to pray for the sick. I forgot to share my testimony. I forgot to lead people to Jesus. I wonder if, if you would take a moment right now and just say, actually, God, are you asking me to say yes to this? The answer is, if you're, if you're honestly listening, is yes. The Holy Spirit is asking you to do this. There's no introverted or extroverted version of Christianity. It's just Christianity. But I want to give you the opportunity to say yes. Because God is a gentleman. The Bible says that he'll stand at the door of your heart and knock. And hopefully most of you have led him into some area of your life. But if, if you haven't led him into this area that says, man, I'm going to be reckless and bold with my faith. I'm going to preach the gospel. 
I'm going to stir up this town. I'm going to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, and raise the dead. If that's you today, and my hands are up too because I'm in. If that's you today, just lift your hands. Just lift your hands nice and high. Father, we thank you that, that, that as we lift our hands today, you are meeting with us. God, I thank you for boldness and courage in every single person. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the comforter. And, and that's because we need to get uncomfortable so that you can comfort us. Today, God, we just commit as a church to being people who, who, who pray for the sick. God, we commit to being the answer to the prayer that as we pray to the Lord of the harvest, He'd send out the workers. So God, we pray, would you send us? Would you send us today, Holy Spirit? Would you send us? Would you, would you lead us to people who need you, God? Would you lead us today? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Just before we take communion, Jesus died on a cross so that you could have relationship with God. If you don't know that today, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you haven't had that moment where you're saying, do you know what, Jesus, I want to give you my life. Every eye closed, every head bowed in just a second. Um, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up. And I want to pray with you a prayer inviting Jesus into your life. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And I tell you what, today, the 13th of June would be the best day for you to say yes to Jesus. For you to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Maybe you're here and you you prayed a prayer like that once before, and, and you actually just are like, man, I'm so distant from God. I, I've walked away, and I, but I want to come back to Him today. Then I want you to lift your hands as well. So every eye closed, every head bowed. On the count of three, if that's you today, just shoot your hand up nice and high in the air so I can see who I'm praying with. 